Your Steve Jones Show podcast is loading now. The Steve Jones Show podcast is sponsored by Sunbury Motors, North 4th Street in Sunbury, and Sunbury Motors Kia, routes 11 and 15 in Hummel's Wharf. Sports talk where your voice counts. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors Studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors Kia. Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai, best in new inventory, great pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. All at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury, Sunbury Motors, Kia, routes 11 and 15, almost wharf online at sunburymotors.com. And by the way, kudos to that great service department. Inspections, routine maintenance, difficult jobs, they handle it all. At Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia Routes 11 and 15, Hummel's Wharf, and online at sunburymotors.com. Time now for our play-by-play call of the day for the eighth time in Leonard Hamilton's coaching tenure at Florida State. They were able to beat Duke. He's something. He is absolutely something. And you know what? We may look, <laughs> look up as Van Carroll does get 20 tonight. Mills at the other end. Seminoles back on top. As we see Caleb Mills step up and knock down. Dan Schulman with the call last night on ESPN. All right. Another win for Florida State, Leonard Hamilton. All right. Brandon Gowden, by the way, on the show coming up tomorrow. Looking forward to it. All right, the bowl news now. So let's get to the bowl news. And in the bowl news, all the ratings are now in. And by the way, the 41 million watched the uh, 49ers Cowboys game. 41 million. Whew. That is very, very impressive. Um, the uh, Eagles game drew uh, seven hundred twelve thousand. No, I'm just kidding. All right, um, just kidding. I actually wouldn't be that surprised if it did. You're so sensitive. You think the whole country's feel like Philadelphia Eagles fans? Like, ah, no. Okay. So here are the numbers. On the bowl games. With the Celebration Bowl and the FCS semifinals, there are 40 games in here. Now remember, there are too many bowls, nobody watches. Right? Oh, I don't think so. For ESPN, this is a bonanza. Listen to these numbers. Of the 40, only two had fewer than 1 million viewers, which, by the way, is what the initial number was, two. It never changed. The only two that were under a million 
the Bahamas Bowl, which was the opening game, noon, Friday, December 17th, so a Friday game at noon, Middle Tennessee State and Toledo had 851,000 viewers, which is better than, no offense, I'm just using it as a gauge, that's better than CNN's primetime. Right now, CNN's primetime is about 500 to 700,000 viewers. This game was at noon on a Friday and had 851,000 viewers. The Myrtle Beach Bowl was next between Old Dominion and Tulsa. That was played on a Monday afternoon, the 20th, at 2.30. And that still had 918,000 viewers. Everything else is over a million. The New Orleans Bowl, Louisiana against Marshall, Saturday night the 18th, 1.065. The Quick Lane Bowl, Western Michigan against Nevada, Monday morning at 11 a.m., the 27th, 1.066 million. The Frisco Bowl, Tuesday night, 7.30, the 21st, San Diego State and Texas San Antonio, 1.15 million. The GMAC Bowl in Mobile, Saturday at 5.45 in the afternoon on the 18th, Eastern Michigan against Liberty, 1.234 million. Again, we are not talking murderer's row here on teams. The Cure Bowl. On Friday the 17th at 6 p.m., ESPN2. Northern Illinois, Coastal Carolina, 1.267. The famous Idaho Potato Bowl, Kent State against Wyoming, 3.30 on a Tuesday afternoon the 21st. 1.3 million. The FCS National Championship game. North Dakota State, Montana State on Saturday, January 8th at noon, 1.32 million. The New Mexico Bowl, Saturday, the 18th of December at 2.15 in the afternoon, 1.5 million. The Frisco Football Classic, North Texas against Miami of Ohio on Thursday afternoon, December 23rd at 3.30. 1.532 million. The Boca Raton Bowl, Western Kentucky against Appalachian State, Saturday morning, 11 a.m., December 18th. 1.6 million. Christmas Day, the Camellia Bowl, the Titanic matchup in Montgomery between Ball State and Georgia State. 1.7 million on Christmas. The Birmingham Bowl, noon, Tuesday, the 28th of December. This is Tuesday at noon. 2.3 million. The Texas Bowl, Tuesday night, January 4th, 9 o'clock at night, the last bowl game before the national championship game. It was Kansas State LSU. It was a blowout. 2.4 million. The Cactus Bowl, 
West Virginia against Minnesota, 10-15 at night on a Tuesday. The 28th, $2.4 million. The Pinstripe Bowl, Maryland against Virginia Tech, Wednesday afternoon at 2.15. On the 29th, $2.443 million. Wednesday, December 22nd, 8 p.m., the Armed Forces Bowl, Army against Missouri, $2.6 million. The Celebration Bowl on ABC, Saturday, the 18th of December at noon, Jackson State, South Carolina State, $2.6 million. The Duke's Mayo Bowl, North Carolina against South Carolina, Thursday morning at 11.30, December 30th, $2.6 million. The First Responder Bowl, Tuesday, the 28th of December at 3.15 in the afternoon. Air Force against Louisville, $2.7 million. The Sun Bowl. Central Michigan against Washington State, noon on Saturday, New Year's Eve. $2.9 million. Saturday the 18th at 7.30 at night. The Jimmy Kimmel L.A. Bowl on ABC. Oregon State against Utah State. $2.9 million. Thursday. December 23rd, 7 o'clock at night. I expected this to be a well-rated one. It was. The Gasparilla Bowl. Central Florida against the University of Florida on ESPN. $3.2 million. Saturday, the 18th of December, 3.30 in the afternoon. Independence Bowl. BYU against Alabama-Birmingham. $3.2 million. New Year's Eve, 11 a.m., the Gator Bowl, Wake Forest against Replacement Rutgers. On ESPN, 3.5 million viewers. The Las Vegas Bowl, Wisconsin against Arizona State, 10.30 at night on December 30th. 3.6 million viewers. Tuesday, December 28th, 6.45 in the evening. The Liberty Bowl, Mississippi State against Texas Tech. 3.9 million viewers. New Year's Day at noon. The Outback Bowl. The Nittany Lions at Arkansas on ESPN2. 4 million viewers. The Alamo Bowl. Oregon against Oklahoma, December 29th. At 9.15 at night, 4.7 million viewers. Wednesday the 29th at 5.45 in Orlando, Clemson against Iowa State, 4.9 million viewers. Thursday the 30th at 3 o'clock in the afternoon, the Music City Bowl between Purdue and Tennessee, 5.6 million viewers. New Year's Day at 1 o'clock on ABC. Kentucky against Iowa. 
6.4 million viewers. Peach Bowl. Thursday the 30th at 7 o'clock, prime time. Michigan State against Pitt, 7.6 million viewers. Fiesta Bowl, Oklahoma State against Notre Dame, 1 o'clock on New Year's Day, 7.9 million viewers. Sugar Bowl, prime time, New Year's Night, 9 o'clock, 9.8 million viewers. Rose Bowl, 5 o'clock, New Year's Day. Yeah, Baylor and Ole Miss, by the way, with the Sugar Bowl. Ohio State, Utah, Rose Bowl, New Year's Day, 5 o'clock, 16.6 million viewers. Cotton Bowl, Alabama, Cincinnati, New Year's Eve at 3.30, 16.6 million viewers. Orange Bowl, Michigan, Georgia, Primetime, New Year's Eve, 7.30, 17.2 million viewers. National Championship game, Georgia against Alabama, 22.6 million viewers. I thought nobody wanted to watch these games. Overall, I'm pretty stunned. I'm not. It came out exactly the way I thought it would. Well, I, I, the, the back half of the numbers that you mentioned as you got closer to New Year's, I wasn't necessarily surprised by. But the pinstripe bowl, the the Purdue-Tennessee game, and the middle Tennessee-Toledo game were the three ones that stood out to me. People love college football. They love to watch it. And, you, and during the holidays... You know, I know there's a lot of hustle and bustle and running around, but, you know, but there does come a point where you're home. And guess what? I mean, I'm home. I mean, I, I mean I'm running around all over the place, usually. This time I wasn't because of what happened with the cancellations, because I had three games that were canceled. That was, it was interesting because I kept getting ready for games. The only one I didn't get ready for was Quinnipiac because I knew when VCU was gone that Quinnipiac was gone. So I was all ready for VCU, and then I got ready for Delaware State. So, I mean, I'm working, plus I'm doing the show and everything. Usually, I mean, I would have been traveling, and I would have missed a couple of games here and there or else doing a game that night. But I get free time. I like I turn the game on. I watched a lot of these, you know, at least a quarter of a lot of these games. Some of them I watched all of. I mean, even like, let's take the uh, Texas Bowl, Kansas State LSU. I got to the hotel room in, in Evanston, right? Got to be 9 o'clock at night. I already ate dinner. Look around, like, okay. I put the game on. I think I, I, think I got to the hotel room. We were delayed leaving. Um, we I don't think we even left here until 9 o'clock at night. Because that's when they had that storm in Virginia and the plane was coming from Richmond. So the pilot had trouble getting to the airport in Richmond. So I didn't even get to Evanston until like 9, 9.30 at night, grab something quick, and watch the second half of the game. 
you know, you're sitting there at home during the holidays, and I may be working and getting ready for a game, you know, a couple things I want to get ready for the Outback Bowl. I had to make sure the Indiana game was done before I left, things like that, you know, that way because I knew I was going to get back early in the morning. So I want to make sure the Penn State-Indiana game was all prepped and set to go. So I, you know, did that. But in the background, the game's on. You're going, kind of, okay, got the game done. I'm looking over. I'm going to watch the rest of this game. You got time. People have time. I mean, look at the ratings on Christmas Day for the NFL. The Green Bay-Cleveland uh, Browns game was off the charts. Oh, it's Christmas. People, uh, no, they're watching. Even this one, the Christmas Day Bowl game at 1.7 million viewers. It was Ball State against Georgia State. Yeah, that really? one I was surprised by, too. But I watched some of that that day. I did. I watched maybe a quarter of it. People don't want to watch it. Actually, you're wrong. They do. Despite the drum beat over and over again... See, that's why I love Peter. You know how I hate drum beats. Oh, yeah. It's a meaningless exhibition. It's a meaningless exhibition. To me, it's like, oh, really? Well, A, it counts on your record, and B, people are watching. Can't be that meaningless. Means something to somebody. We've got to stop with stupidity. I mean, really. It's a meaningless exhibition, it's a game. It's not an exhibition. Game the Browns and Packers in August. That's an exhibition. It doesn't count. Game that counts in your record is a game. It counts. And guess what? Evidently, based on viewership, people enjoy watching them. It counts to them, too. They're glad they're on. I was going to sign up the uh, soup, by the way, for the Amazing Race. But I had to I had to withdraw the application. F-O-U-L-E-D, that spells FOULDA! You need a partner to go. After a while, I just couldn't handle the rejection anymore. All right, back with more in a moment on this radio, 1070 WK. Okay. The right-handed shot. We know that shot is lethal. Let's see if he uses it rather than deking. He races up the middle of the ice. Wallstrom in alone on Carter Hart, slows it down, shoots and scores! Wally has the winner in the bottom of the ninth! And the Islanders beat the Flyers by the final score of 4-3. to three. What an ending! Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. Oh, my. Um. <laughs> so. I actually watched the Flyers for the first time in a few weeks because they've been that depressing. And, uh, yeah, they would lose a game like that. So I got the forecast for Iowa City. Clear and bitterly cold. Frostbite to expose skin within 15 minutes. Yeah, that doesn't well, sound great either. I think, oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Luckily, you'll be indoors most of the time. Well, we're going to walk down to Vesta to get something to eat. Now, fortunately, it's only 200 yards away. I'm going to time it out, see if we can do it in... 12 minutes that way we get it. 
<laughs> wow. At least you had Tampa. Yeah. Yeah, it did. Yeah. It, it was hot, too. It was got to 82. This is, uh... Wow. I'll, I'll tell you the worst temperature change. Okay? In the next half hour. I have one that was 103 degrees in a day. Taking your calls at 800-795-9565. This is the Steve Jones Show on News Radio 1070 WKOK. Now from the Sunbury Motors studio, here's Steve Jones. All right, Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Kia. Routes 11 and 15, almost Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. Ford, Kia, Hyundai. Great new inventory. Fabulous pre-owned inventory with the Sunbury Motors guarantee. And uh, also fabulous service department. We're talking about, oh, the ability to take care of inspections, to take care of routine maintenance, take care of anything difficult. They can do it all. Sunbury Motors. One-stop shopping. Sunray Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunray Motors, Kia Routes 11 to 15, almost Wharf online at sunburymotors.com. All right, so obviously in the Midwest, very cold right now. Yeah, talking about 11 below zero when we get there on Friday night. Okay, that's fine. Cold now, I'm going to do the coldest, and I'm going to do the greatest temperature change of the day. All right? The coldest was, I think it was 1996, something like that. And it was Groundhog Day. So we fly in to Cedar Rapids on Friday night, February 1st. And when you go into Cedar Rapids, you then have to go about 20 to 25 miles from the airport down to Iowa City. We were staying in Iowa City. This time we're going to stay in Coralville, which is just outside Iowa City. And there used to be a Conoco gas station and the entrance from the the access road from the airport to I-380 because you had to go south on I-380 to get to 80 and then the hotel. And they had typical, they had a time and temperature deal up there. We're coming out of the airport, and it says minus 27. Okay. So now we get to downtown Iowa City. And we get in there, and of course, you know, everything's cold. And it's 34 below zero. Oh. 34 below zero. So I went to, it turned out the room I had was a double bed. So I actually took the covers off the other bed and brought it over just to stack up the covers the high temperature that next day was 17 below zero that was the high 17 below was the high 
of the day. I opened up the pregame show with Jerry Dunn. I said, Jerry is 30. Uh, in fact, it was 41 below in um, Waterloo, Iowa. I'm watching TV that, that morning, the morning of the game. And a guy, a reporter, took a cup of coffee. He said, look, hot coffee, pours it in, see the steam. Takes it, holds it up, throws it in the air, crystallizes on the way down. Like, oh, this is, this is great. Meanwhile, I'm thinking about, gee, Miami's joining the ACC, aren't they? No. Uh, <laughs> and I opened the pregame show with Jerry Dunn, and I said, Jerry was 34 below zero last night. I said, is this a good time to bring up the Maui Invitational? <laughs> Thought I'd take a shot. And Penn State, by the way, won the game. It was the first time in 41 years Penn State beat a ranked team on the road. Now, the biggest temperature change. I went from the Rose Bowl, not the last one. I went from the Rose Bowl to Minnesota. And I'm in a cab at 5 a.m. going to LAX. And I'm going to go from LAX to Dallas to DFW and then up to Minneapolis. And it's 5 a.m., 57 degrees. 57 degrees, 5 a.m., Los Angeles. Do-do-doom, get in the plane, fly, bump, bump, get off the plane in Minneapolis. 46 below zero. Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. I'm standing there with my bags, waiting for a cab to take me to the hotel. I'm thinking to myself, my goodness, I think you're partially insane. I'm thinking to myself. Well, you waited outside? I had to get the cab. Oh, boy. I had to get the cab. Unfortunately, it didn't take that long, five minutes. But I had had to go out. It was a 103-degree temperature change in one day. How about that? Then you never got, like, the sniffles or anything like that from being in that type of change? No, I I was fine. Nope, I was good. That's impressive. No, it's, but that's that's in terms of temperature change. That's the worst one. Hundred and three degrees in one day, like in the morning tonight. I think I like I left LA at five o'clock in the morning, so that's eight o'clock in the east. I think I got to Minneapolis at like at nine nine thirty at night. So they'd be like 10, 10.30 in the east. So then 14 hours, 103 degree temperature drop. Ew. <laughs> I think myself, I'm getting in the cab thinking, I think you're nuts. <laughs> oh, those are the worst ones. Now, it's not going to get that cold. Obviously, it's not going to be that dramatic a temperature drop. But it was 82. <laughs> the last practice on Friday, on New Year's Eve, it was 82. It was in the morning, and it was hot. I mean, the practice on Thursday, it was 80, but it felt fine. 82, the sun felt like it was going through you. Like, wow. I mean, I remember getting on the bus with the players. 
I was with the defensive guys, and they're all saying to themselves, "Yeah, I haven't sweat that much since uh, since training camp because it was just for whatever reason the angle of the sun, the intensity. I mean, it was hot. Um, but yeah, back that warm gear, man. Yeah, those are the worst ones. Trying to think the hottest." game I ever did was 1985 Maryland I think it was 100 and 105 degrees and I did a and that's the one where Zordich picked off Stan Gelbon the second play of the game, lost his shoe, ran it back for a touchdown Maryland had been ranked number one by some p- rankings early in the season in the preseason, and Penn State beat them 20 to 17. In fact, Penn State went. That was 1985. Penn State went 11 and 0, and then played um, Oklahoma in the Orange Bowl for the national championship. That was 105. I remember I had to go down from the broadcast booth to the field to, to do the post game interview with Joe, and I'm standing out there going, "Oh my." God, it's hot. And then I did a baseball game for the Spikes where it was 102 at, at game time. And that was just a few years ago. 102 at game time. That's that's the hottest for baseball I've ever been to. And that was where? It was here in St. Oh. Yeah. And lowest temperature for baseball at first pitch? was 41 degrees in Jamestown. And needless to say, that booth had <laughs> no heat. Of course. I, I was bundled up. Bundled. In fact, I remember leaving that night, and there was a little bit of snow. I'm like, going, wow. Coldest for football? Would be 1987 Notre Dame. The I think the game temperature was something like 12, and the wind chill was I think 15 to 20 below zero. Tim Brown was the Heisman Trophy winner that year in '87. Just a great talent. Uh, Tony Rice was the quarterback. And and Brown only had two receptions in the game. Blair Thomas had two hundred twenty seven yards rushing. Steve Wisniewski played a phenomenal game at guard. He just kept falling whiz the entire time. Wisniewski just kept one guy after another. Uh, and this is Stefan's uncle, obviously, and. Notre Dame drives down the field, Tony Rice. And Rice was a really good college quarterback. And, you know, he was never going to be in the pros, I mean, but he had a great college game to him. And they won the national title in 88 with him. They beat Major Harris of West Virginia in the Fiesta Bowl, I believe. That was Notre Dame's last national championship. Rice drives them down the field, and they score to make it 21-20. And Lou Holtz went for two 
and Pete Kirkendall stopped Tony Rice at the two-yard line. Again, I was the third announcer at that time for the radio network, so I had to leave the booth to go down to the field so I could do the post-game show with Joe for the network. So remember I said I went down to the field at Maryland as the third guy in the broadcast team to do the post game with Joe. I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe how hot this is. All right? And you're looking around at the fans saying, God, you guys were out here the entire time. I was so impressed. Well, Notre Dame, the same story. About four to five minutes to go, I leave the booth because I have to then do the live because, I mean, we did the post game show with Joe live. Right, uh, and so I go down the field. So I'm standing right in that end zone when Kirkendall made the play on Rice, and I'm out there. And I'm like, I can't believe how cold it is. I mean, it's cold in the booth, but like, yeah, you know, now you're, you know, you're not protected by walls or anything like that. So you're getting the wind and everything. I'm like, I'm looking around. Said these fans are remarkable. They sat through this whole thing. And the players played through, and the coaches coached through. The whole thing was, I mean, so that's the, that's, that's the extremes of, uh, of what? Yeah. Doggone Girardi had to text me about the, the 11 below zero. It prompted this entire segment. I mean, Doug, Doug Birdsong texted me. He said they went to Cedar Falls, Iowa. When Bucknell played in the Bracket Buster game at 05 06, he said, it looked like we landed on the moon. <laughs> oh, my almighty! That's, that's always the running joke I have in Iowa. We'll be going down I 380, and we'll get to an overpass, okay? And we'll go under it. And I'll say, check that out, guys. I said, that's the highest point in the state of Iowa. <laughs> A little trivia for everybody. <laughs> oh. Penn State's better off in the Big Ten for many, many reasons. But when you're getting off the plane going, oh, my goodness, this is the tundra. I mean, you're thinking to yourself, you know, the ACC isn't that bad. <laughs> hey, let's play in Coral Gables. Okay. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. All right, we'll take a break. Brandy Gowden on the show tomorrow. King tomorrow. Great to have you with us today. Brought to you by our good friends at Sunbury Motors, 4th Street in Sunbury. Sunbury Motors, Key Routes 11 and 15, Humble's Wharf, online at sunburymotors.com. On News Radio 1070 WKOK. <laughs> Asked the suit uh, the other day uh, uh, about cold, and he just looked. He looked at me. And said, "My heart." Uh, I just. I don't understand. You know, where does this stuff come from? I mean, he's the only guy I know that uses Babel for English. F O U L E D. That spells foul. <laughs> Could you interpret this for me? <laughs> what? Uh. You missed the holiday party. It was. I heard. It, it, it. 
Yeah, as I told you earlier, it's the yeah. You know, he, he said, "Name a star after somebody special." He had it named after himself. I'm like, what? What are we doing here? S U I T. That spells Suta. No, I mean I, he made a lot of bad. I have okay. He, that night, he made a lot of bad decisions at the at that party. It just, you know, it's like, you know, everybody's kind of like, oh, what's he doing? And then it kind of made me feel better about the Cowboys' decisions I saw on Sunday. I'm like, okay, all right. <laughs> Get the lingerie on the deck. Call the janitor. All right, so let me uh, let me get this straight for you. If Kellen Moore gets a head coaching job, and Eric Bieniemy doesn't, <laughs> there is everything wrong with the universe. Hi. And Jonathan I Gannon mean, too. Hey, I, 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 no offense, I don't get it. There, there's, there's. Absolutely everything wrong with the universe if that happens. Hey, what in the heck? Hey, I know, I know. Obviously, deep in the background of Eric Bieniemy, but at some point, you got to give a guy a chance. You know, what's his recent life been like? What's his last twenty years been like? Come on. You know, people can change. They can change for the better. Um. He's got six playoff wins as an offensive coordinator. Kellen Moore has none. Come on. Somebody knows how to get it done. I really hope Jonathan Gannon goes to the Texans. And I really hope Kellen Moore goes to the Jaguars. <laughs> I, mean, I think it's time Eric Bieniemy got a job. I think it, I also think a guy to bring back is Jim Caldwell. Yeah, I can see that. Jim Caldwell is a good NFL coach. And I know personally Jim Caldwell is a good coach. And I know personally he's a great guy. I mean, I know Jim's getting older now. I got it. I mean, I got that part. I understand. Okay? But I... I, you know, I just think it's. I think Jim Caldwell could, could solve some problems for some people. I just think he's top shelf. In fact, you want to know more about Jim Caldwell, the coach? Ask Peyton Manning. Remember, who was not only his head coach, but, you know, who was his. Um, his quarterback coach at Indianapolis for a long period of time. And he refers to him all the time as Coach Caldwell. All the time. He'll tell you how good he is. But, you know, Kellen Moore, he's the new hot thing. I'm watching the game like that. You mean the guy that called the quarterback draw with no timeouts and 14 seconds to go? That guy? Really? Really? Am I missing something here? 
You only want Gannon now because you're just on a hate trip. <laughs> I mean, you're trying to figure out ways to get rid of people. Admit it. Come on. This is the first step to recovery is admitting. <laughs> I'm trying to get you on the road to recovery. I mean, I want Gannon gone and either Vic Vangio or Mike Zimmer in. Give me a real defensive coordinator this offseason, please. Yeah, but they're not going to go there. They're going to go someplace that's fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing we know, Nick Sirianni's a fun guy. That's a fun staff. I will say that. They're a riot. All right. Um, oh, boy. See, this is the, like, to me, the games are fun. I enjoy watching the games. Hey. Black Monday's your favorite day of the year. <laughs> it is always interesting. You might need therapy. I've been told that already. By Lisa. <laughs> 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 